This is the Warriors Community Podcast. We inspire, equip, and empower others. We inspire by sharing our stories, our personal experiences, by asking questions and answering questions for other people. We equip by sharing our resources. What books have you read? Podcasts have you listened to? Even movies that you've watched? What tools have worked for you or haven't worked for you and why? We empower by walking through healing journeys with each other and just walking through life in general. We hope that by listening to this podcast, you feel inspired, equipped, or empowered. Now, not every podcast series is applicable to you, and we know that, but we hope that you are able to take something away from each podcast and hope that there is a series that really does speak to you and that you relate with personally at some point. We are in the Enough series right now, but we are planning more series to come out with to inspire, equip, and empower. Enjoy the podcast. Before we begin today's conversation, I do want to make a brief disclaimer. Not all of the views, beliefs, and core values expressed by guests on this podcast necessarily reflect the views, beliefs, and core values of myself or the Warriors community. However, we at the Warriors community do believe that everyone has a right to speak up, to speak out, and to share their story. And with their story will come what they believe, what they think, and what they feel. So I hope you enjoy today's podcast. I hope that you walk away feeling challenged or feeling inspired, equipped, and empowered. Welcome back, Warriors, to another episode of the Warriors Community Podcast. We are still in the Enough series, and I know you have heard from Amanda many times now, but you have not heard from Amanda's husband, Richie. So I am thrilled to have the very first man on our podcast. He is together with Amanda. They are coming today with a very unique story and a very unique perspective. One of the biggest reasons I wanted to have both of them on is because their story is so redemptive. Their story is really strong. If you look at everything they've been through individually and in their marriage, there is no way a lot of people would have made it in their marriage. It it would have ended in divorce. So I love the strength that they carry together. But I also really like Richie's perspective. He was not really involved with this organization we're exposing, but yet he loved Amanda very well and had a lot of wisdom and insight as to what was going on. So Amanda, you have already introduced yourself many times. Thank you for being back with us. Yes, thank you for having me. Of course, you always bring such a good perspective. So Richie, for those listeners who don't know who you are, can you briefly tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? I'm father of three 
crazy but amazing children more emphasis on the crazy but you kind of have to be in our in our household only the strong survive <laughs> full-time dad heading up a house but not really <laughs> no nah, we uh, i don't wear pants <laughs> she wears the pants well yes <laughs> sometimes i get a pocket can you tell the listeners how did you two meet each other if you don't tell intricate details it's kind of a it's kind of a disney love story we went to school together in high school she was a she was several several no she was two years younger than me Mm -hmm. and we kind of had like a a low-key crush on each other but neither of us had the confidence to say it and then i graduated moved off did military service lived in houston all over the place and then came back and then we reconnected when I was getting off work at Walmart (laughs) Um, which was a lot of fun I'm glad that that wasn't the starting point because if that alone was our starting point we would not have made it to begin with you have to tell them they want the ugly (laughs) Uh, yeah man it's drunk (laughs) drunk Yeah. (laughs) yeah I was getting off work at Walmart it was, what time was it? It, was, it had to been 10, 30. Yeah, we're about to close for the beer ends. Right. <laughs> and so Amanda was there. I was checking out buying, I was buying an energy drink and cigarettes. That's what I was getting. And yeah, the, the <laughs> breakfast of champions there. Yeah. Ew. Um, <laughs> she came up and totally hitting on me and I wasn't having that because there there were two perspectives that I had on that one was I really liked her and a lot of those old feelings were coming back and I didn't want I didn't want her being drunk to be the thing that kind of tied us in because there's there's not really a footing in there ever and then there's the other side of it because I am a man and I was like, well, there's no real challenge there, so it's boring. I love like, you said that. Yes. Like, if you're gonna throw yourself at me, I I just go home. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I'm glad you said that. And you're more traditional because a lot of women think, oh, power to women, we can go hit on men, and the men are like, where's the chase? We want the chase. I think the base power for. The female perspective is in the elusiveness of it. Your your mysteriousness is what makes you the catch. So you met her getting off work. She's drunk. And then <laughs> how did how did you two connect and start dating? And and just to clarify, Amanda, you were in this organization at this point, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Funny enough, we reconnected the very next day at church. <laughs> yeah, I was still drunk. <laughs> yeah. The pastor would be so disappointed in you. No, I told him. He is, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so she was sitting in the back of the church, and I was sitting with my girlfriend at the time. And then at the end of it, we got my entire family together with her, and Amanda happened to be passing by. And she, my mom yep. remembered her and said, hey, do you mind taking a picture? And so Amanda took a picture of all of us. Oh. My girlfriend standing next to me. That was a proper route, you know, not just the alcohol or any of that. It was like, okay, this is, my mom remembered you. There's a difference. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. So did it take you long to break up with this other girlfriend before you two started dating? No, um, not really, because I'm being an idiot comes naturally. I was also going through 
a lot of stuff that I hadn't, I hadn't, I didn't even recognize it back then, much less start working on resolving. I was having um, relationship issues because I couldn't, I couldn't regulate myself enough to where I could, I could be in, in a solid relationship and be happy. And so I, I would hang that on, on the other person and when they, and, and everybody has a bad day. And so when they would have a bad day, I would wear that because I, I was emulating the people around me Mm. because I didn't know how to process my own. And so nobody wants to argue with themselves while they're going through a bad day. Yeah, that's so good. I think a lot of people do that and they don't recognize it or they don't want to admit that. That's really good. So you two start dating and was it an easy start? Was I guess Uh, I should ask, was dating easy or no? Dating wasn't terrible. It was, uh... it had its challenges because I had come out of that obscure relationship with the married man. Mm-hmm. And he knew that he had actually in that time between Walmart and church. And then it was four months later, oh, three what, months. What even just that we were two. dealing with. I was working at the place where y'all connected. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he was yeah. working at, so he heard everything about me oh, wow. before we reconnected again. and you still what made you hear all of that stuff which amanda for the listeners who have not heard her podcast quick shameless plug amanda shared her story a few weeks ago on the podcast where she tells all the good the bad and the ugly about her so if you want those details go to that podcast amanda's story so for richie you hear all this stuff and you still want to date her why she was hot (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't, I don't know. I was, I'd come out of a rough marriage at that point, And I, I was trying to justify that I wasn't a piece of crap myself. That relationship ended horribly and everything came out in the wash that I had a, I had a very heavy hand in that. I mean, it was a mutual thing, but it was a, so I, I couldn't, I couldn't go based off the merits of other people, especially in that capacity. Because there's a natural bias towards that kind of atmosphere as that far as like mixture of law enforcement and issues within. So Amanda, you're involved in this organization. How did you bring him into that? Because to recap, the lead pastor really has a heavy hand. And you've mm-hmm. actually spoken about this often. She has a heavy hand in either setting up or breaking up relationships. And some of us have been in meetings where the lead pastor has said, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so, they're not good together. I don't like them. You know, I'm sending this person and this person to break them up or, Hey, I want this person to date this person. So you go make that happen. How did you bring him in and how did that go? I kept it a secret (laughs) as well as I could, because they would, you know, take my phone. That was a normal occurrence. They'd take mm-hmm. my phone. They'd, I mean, honestly, for lack of better terms, hold me hostage until I talked, like hold my keys hostage. They would say, well, we're going to call your parents because at the time I'd moved back in with them because I was trying to live the right life, you know, when they found out, which I don't know how they found out, but they just find things out. <laughs> Dude, they have, it, it's weird. It was the Valentine's Day thing. They, a couple of the guys were asking me out for Valentine's because they do a Valentine's dinner. Yes, all the men serve the women, and it's so nice. And I was at work that night, so I couldn't go, 
which I was like, eh. Are you <laughs> in trouble for that? Uh, yeah. Oh, I, I had to go because it took place at the house I lived in. So I had no excuse. No, it was rough <laughs> because, so they were like, okay. So they knew where I worked naturally. <laughs> of course. And they show that was two guys and they showed up with a plate from that night and all these things. And they even showed up with like a handwritten, I'm sorry, a typed out word for me. Prophetic word. Yes. I forgot. And right after that, here comes Richie walking up and they're like, who's this guy? <laughs> I was like, oh. you saw them, Richie, you saw them bring that to her? Um, I don't fully remember. You might have been leaving. I may, I don't know. I don't fully remember that. But, they knew but there's you. there's a lot of things I don't remember. They were mad. It doesn't surprise me because you can always that was the culture of the men and in, in, in my say it. And there there were two different aspects of it. There were there were the the men in leadership roles that were in their own little ver, their own little segregated corner as the leaders and we can't be touched and we're we're you can't speak into our lives but we will speak and direct your life mm -hmm. because they'd already been through it all that's that was the atmosphere they created and then you had the other ones that were juvenile was the biggest word for that misguided toxic and so any any person any new person coming in that was a threat to any situation they were trying to establish you were you were ousted immediately mm -hmm. and you're a guy who had to grow up pretty quick you were in the military for how many years uh six six years in the military you've seen the world you've been in charge of people you've done really hard things you're coming into a place where the a lot of the men in leadership at that point were either very sheltered good little good quote unquote Christian boys who hadn't been outside of this small town or very far from it, or they were men who were just super broken, now coddled and enabled to remain that way, but they felt powerful to be called leaders. So be, it seems like being a man who has been in the military, done all the things coming in, you're like, what is this? Is that accurate? <laughs> basically it was like they tried to take chaos as a structure and then organize it but still try and maintain chaos and it was it was impossible so they found out y'all are dating richie were you a christian at that point yeah so what did you do after that amanda did you go and confess all your sins like oh my gosh i've been keeping this from you or did you deny it no my parents had already known just because the nature of them, I just wanted to be set up in case something happened. And they were like, we're going to tell your parents. Because they played that card a lot. They knew that if I wasn't living there, I had nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, and that was always a pull for me to go and live in one of their one of the leader's houses. So you bring him to Sunday school or Bible study. What did you first bring him to? Hey, the next day they grilled me. I mean, like grilled me I was getting messages I was getting phone calls and I worked for the night shift so I was like I can't answer y'all right now like I'm tired I have a whole other shift tonight and they were like you need to call into work so we can do a deliverance of what was it uh it's a it's another word for sneaky like I was sneaking around oh my goodness they wanted you to get out of work for a deliverance yeah 
you know what I will also say that is super common like even for a mission trip if you couldn't get off work to go on a mission trip the expectation was quit your job and go do God's work there was there was not a value for work yeah and this was just such a good job it was my it was like my redemptive job like I got another really good job with health insurance with really good pay with really good hours for myself and he worked nights so it just worked perfect you know Mm -hmm. for us as a relationship even when they didn't know that we were dating I did things very I made sure I didn't do anything that would embarrass them that I would get pulled in for (laughs) deliverance for and I laid ground rules down I was like listen I know you've heard all these crazy things about me but I don't have sex anymore before marriage. I don't, what else was there? There, I don't, I'm not going to go in your apartment, uh, like at all <laughs> for the first month. I never stepped foot in because I knew, I knew I'd fail. I was like, you're so hot. I'm going to, I'm just going to dump you. <laughs> like that was my thought. <laughs> Those were decisions made out of fear oh, yeah. of the lead pastor and not from a personal place of conviction. I even had, I even had to go to the bathroom one time and he was like, yeah, just come inside. And we were like on week four and I fully trusted him. And I was like, no. She did too. She left and came. (laughs) Yeah. Like we went, he took me on this hike behind the apartment complexes because I would not go inside. I forgot about that. I just wanted to make sure that everything was in the open. I was terrified. I was terrified to get kicked out. And that's one (laughs) example of the, the, crazy stuff you end up doing that seems so right and rational at the time. Like I can think back to so many super extreme or odd decisions that I made that I felt was righteous and right and godly at the time, but really it was fear-based because I just, I couldn't be in trouble or go through one more freaking deliverance. (laughs) yeah you just behave accordingly to say look at me you're doing a good job get off my back yeah yeah I think it was these two guys the one the ones who were trying to date me like because the leaders were like y'all need to date her y'all need to I later found out y'all need to break them up he's no good for her (laughs) why was he no good for her why why was he no good for you In their opinion, when they, the moment I said, I said, he's military, like it was a badge of honor and like, it was this really great thing. And they took that as, oh my gosh, he came back from overseas. He needs deliverance. He needs all of these overseas spirits out of him before you even think about dating him and you're already dating him. So it was all of these spirits from overseas came back with him and now they're going to get on you? Yeah, on his tours. Uh Oh my goodness. That was their whole belief system or tour. Uh-huh. So somehow I convinced him to come. I just told him one night, I told him everything. I was like, look, I am Holy Spirit filled. Uh, I know it's probably really weird. You're going to have to dump me now. If you're not with this, it's okay. Like I was ready for him to be like, bye. <laughs> right? Like I was. And I was laying out even more groundwork, even more like barriers. And I was having this conversation in your apartment. Yeah, it was so weird how it was unfolded. It was like, hey, I'm really involved in this and I like it, but here's an obstacle course to get to me because of them. And I was like, yeah, what is this? What is <laughs> at this point? And not living there, I have no legal obligation or contract to, to follow these things, you know? Right. So when you came for the first time, Richie, two questions. First of all, what was the atmosphere like? when you attended Bible study? And second question, 
what was your response? What was going through your brain while you were sitting in Bible study? The dynamic in the room wasn't something I wasn't 100% used to. I, growing up, I went to, I visited Baptist churches, churches with my, my friend, uh, my best friend growing up. And then when I was 10, we connected with this church. It's no longer here anymore. But I had ended up getting saved when I was 12. And the church was a non-denominational church. Mm -hmm. And so much so that we we had people coming in and people were getting were falling out in the Holy Spirit and prayer languages and the wailing and the, and the pews and all that stuff. So that kind of atmosphere wasn't terrifying to me. I bred into stuff like that. I also attended a, a Western themed church here locally that kind of threw me for a loop, but I would, <laughs> it kind of prepared me for anything. Going in there, it was like, it was funny because I believe you were singing. Oh yeah, for sure. Yes, I was on the worship team. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then one of those guys was on the piano. Oh, uh, yeah. And instantly, even during the worship, I felt right. like just this intense you're an outsider type of thing. <laughs> it was so weird. And I, I couldn't properly connect with everybody because everybody was kind of in their own, I wouldn't even call it worship. It was different, more perverted, if mm. I could describe it that way. It was it was more like, how can I portray myself to have like this insanely intimate relationship with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit? And how can I magnify that so people know that I'm I'm in there, you know, and and the whole time I'm like, good worship. <laughs> it was really good because like there's there's people there's people that are part of this organization. Well, that were not currently that were just I mean genuine people, and mm -hmm. and those are the ones that like we still connect with. I had to go through kind of a, a like an approval process. Oh wow. What does uh, that look like? With the two men specifically, I got grilled on everything I did. And then the more I lined out, because I, the dynamic in my house now versus how I was back then has completely shifted. Back then, I was licensed to be a police officer. I was a jailer, reserve deputy, like your hard charger, gun-toting crazy. <laughs> and... Now I, you know, I get carpal tunnel from keyboards working on computers, <laughs> but I had to go through it. And naturally with that kind of a background, you're intimidating to insecure people. That's mm -hmm. just a natural thing. And, and that's okay. Like I was never one of those that was okay. If I find out you're insecure, I'm going to flex on you harder. So that, I mean, you're, you're under there, you know, and I can control you. That's, I never saw a point to that. Everybody was going through their own thing. People that weren't in leadership approached me like they were and were trying to get the details of our relationship or whatever it was at that point. Because at that point, it was all puppy love and trying to come up with dreams together. The basic romance, the, uh, the honeymoon stuff. There it is. Yeah. Right. The exciting stuff that goes away after about a year or two. <laughs> There was a disconnect there because I was still I was still dealing with the same things that I was that kind of helped break the relationship negatively, obviously, but with the the girl I was dating before her. Mm -hmm. So I was still dealing with that. And we kind of came to that impasse in our relationship. And we ended up, I think we ended up 
breaking up for a moment yeah i was like i'm dead i think it was <laughs> how long was it i think it was like a whole day uh, yeah because the next day that's when you met the sidekick yeah because you oh. came running after me you were like no oh yeah i wasn't allowed in yeah she stood well, outside no. well, it wasn't just her though there was the sidekick and angela met oh. me outside and it was like the, the it was like the angel and demon on your shoulder thing <laughs> it was like it was mm -hmm. like you need to get help and you you, you cannot see her y'all are not good together yeah. and then there was angela just like whoa 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 pump the brakes and she was the voice of reason and she kind of helped me see it was weird it was like she could see that i was already dealing with issues that she could see in the men around her and she was like okay no 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 this isn't the right place for you and so she wouldn't let me go in and because i i told her i was like i was basically basically professing like my undying love to amanda oh and I was like, I gotta have her. I was just <laughs> broken mess. And and Angela's looking at me like I'm like the biggest <laughs> baby ever. <laughs> it was so good. Well, <laughs> Angela is so naturally, especially then, just a suck it up kind of person. Oh yeah, it was intimidating. She yeah. was, the only one was so terrifying. That, she was the only one in that whole organization that when I asked her when we got married, like months later. I was like, what do you think about this? And she was like, don't do it. <laughs> but it was genuine. It, she was the only one saying it to our faces. She was the only one giving us logical, relational reasoning. Yeah. And I've always respected her and told her about that. I'm like, you're the only one who said, don't do it. Well, and Angela, so to clear up two things before we move on for the listeners. At the time, again, Angela is right-hand man to the lead pastor. So she is a little bit of a puppet a lot of bit of a puppet to do the bidding. The sidekick is the enforcer. They call her the bulldog. That's her name now. So I'm sure they were sent to you, Richie, to give you that whole speech. The second point I want to make before we continue is these two guys you both keep referring to. The same two men that we have addressed over and over and over again on this podcast. Yes. Those are the two best friends. Those two are the new right-hand man, I guess I should say. They're, they're the highest in leadership. But at the time, one was very much in leadership and then the other was trying to climb that ladder. So you have these two men who are really wanting to be in charge and exert their manhood, maturity, and I always hear this from men. I've heard it on multiple different podcasts from multiple different friends of mine. My husband has said this, and it's the alpha male does not have to introduce himself. He doesn't have to let you know I'm the alpha. He just is. And so these men really scream, I'm the alpha. Yeah. <laughs> and Richie's over here like, I don't care. <laughs> especially then well yeah because <laughs> the person who was in that role as the alpha if you will the, i didn't get that feeling from him mm -mm. like mm -mm. at all pause i know i know you were so into that episode and i know you hate ads just like i usually do but i want to take a second and tell you about the wearer's apparel why Warriors Apparel? Well, it's to remind yourself who you are, a warrior. 
If you would like your own warrior shirt, you can go to the warrior's Instagram, click on the link tree located in the bio, and you will find right at the top, remind yourself who you are apparel. You can choose from a hoodie, crew neck, unisex t-shirt, or a v-neck t-shirt. They come in two different colors and all the sizes. Go to the link in the bio on Instagram to purchase yours today. Now back to your favorite podcast. I got a weird snack from him that was like a rite of passage, apparently, that turns out I didn't mind. <laughs> That's disgusting. You got a smack like he hit you? No, no, a snack. <laughs> it was the uh, the Oreo. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Smack, I was like... You were so casual about saying that. (laughs) Yeah, he beat me. It was, no, no, it was, he was walking around handing him out. And I was like, this guy is so wrong for this place. (laughs) He just did not make sense. And you didn't know his role at the time. Yeah, I had no idea who he was. And he just, he felt like, honestly, he was the most comfortable person to me to be around because it was, it felt like he didn't want to be there as much as I did. Wow. And then I found out who he was. And I was like, oh, <laughs> and we had an argument about it. And uh-huh. she, she was like, you're wrong. He's he, no, he, he's married to the leader of this organization. And, and or he you know, is the leader. Like, or he, he was the leader, everything. Apparently. Oh yeah. And then he left. And, it yeah. her. and yeah. that was his last night there. It was when you came. I remember that night, Amanda, you and I talked about this recently. I remember the the last night the lead pastor's husband was there none of us knew he was leaving but we knew something was wrong he never announced i'm divorcing her i'm leaving but he was very prophetic and usually during worship he would get up and he would go pray over people sometimes he would give a prophetic word or get the microphone and tell the room what he felt like what the lord was speaking and there was something about that night where he went intentionally to every single person to pray and prophesy over them. And for me, I had been there for several years already, and he was a, a form of a father figure to me. Like I, I hate saying that because I am so close to my dad, and I always have been. But he and I were semi-close. Angela was with him as well. So I'm watching him and I'm feeling my heart break, like something is happening and I don't know why, but I'm upset and I'm grieving. And and so I'm leading worship, just trying to not cry. And I had no words for why I'm trying not to cry, but you're sitting there your first time. This is your first experience ever. And you're thinking what? It was weird. It was like, (laughs) I've been through... I, I pull from a lot of my past to kind of describe things that I go through current. It was like a, a leadership change ceremony is, yeah. what is the best way I would describe it. They do this weird parade thing in, in the military where like the leaders and their, because you have the officers that are in charge and then the non-commissions that are with them. And they kind of make this weird circle thing and previous leadership and current and oncoming leadership meet and they will take this flag and they'll pass it around to each other ceremoniously there there was a weird dynamic there there was like there was two leaders 
and one was kind of migrating and then one was trying to lead the entire thing and the current leader is one who was trying to lead the entire thing while the while he was just kind of floating around facilitating the spirit i guess is mm -hmm. that's way i describe it. It, it but he was so detached that's like, such a good way to say that yeah and he was so detached he was done at that point it was like how do i i don't know it's like that's such a good way to say that. Like moving away to college and you're just trying to make amends with the people. You're like, you're you're important to me and I don't want to lose you, but I can't be here anymore. <laughs> like I got to move yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. I explained it to you when we were talking. It was like watching the washing of the disciples' feet. Mm -hmm. Like it was just the last time he would be there and it was going to be special for him. Yeah. Looking back, knowing all the information, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. Yep. Then I was like, you're so wrong for that. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> well, and I remember that because we were all lined up and he would he was coming down. I forgot about that. Coming from yeah. person to person. I forgot about that. Yeah. And I was standing next to you and you're like, oh, uh, great. This doesn't. Oh, happen. yeah. This, this, oh, my gosh. This is so great. Where's my phone? I got to record this. <laughs> <laughs> I did. It was just like, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like wow, why that I was that way too. I was always like, let me record my prophetic words and keep them forever. And it was it was amazing because like he was kind of working his way through everybody, and I can't for the life of me remember what he said to me. But it was very brief, or wasn't very profound because people were getting words and they were falling out or crying. crying. Or yeah. It, it looked like it was building the relationship more between him and that person he was giving a word to. Wow. But for me, it was, I don't remember exactly what he said, but the impression was, hey, glad you're here. <laughs> you know, it was like a politician clapping you on the back. It was wow. real formal. What were your thoughts as you continued dating Amanda and you were, you were getting all these phone calls or all these speeches about how you weren't good enough or you had to go through deliverance? How was that impacting your relationship? You're running into several different things that are clashing together on the same front. And so the more voices that are coming together to say the same thing about you in different perspectives, it was just, it was like going from like a small swell to a monsoon in my life. And, and I couldn't think it was impossible. And because you get the natural performance treadmill that it is trying to please God and live right according to laws that have already been fulfilled. And it's just, yeah. it was weird. It was. And they never just came out right and just told you all of that. They would tell me that and try and like get me to be sneaky about yeah. bringing him in for a deliverance or bringing him in for prayer or talking to the guys or, and it just continued to always be that way in our marriage until it started really early oh yeah the way the way it was done because first from from day one we were not equally yoked nope. it just was not viewed ever that way and even though she was drunk so, the first time she met you right right <laughs> but there's there's deliverance for that you know and for everything else there's jesus i guess i i don't know yeah it's it's hard to it's it's hard to figure out you know it's, the only way you could have made that worse is to throw in a few hell marys there like just say these while we're whipping you and yeah we'll make it work <laughs> and 
but well, know that you're sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, if if I got you crying, oh yeah, we're getting somewhere. And it's, mm-hmm. well, it's interesting that Amanda, you said the word they were trying to get you to sneak oh, yeah. around to plan him coming into what we refer to as ambush deliverances or prayers when mm-hmm. they wanted to deliver you from your sneakiness uh-huh. by when you were hiding it. So <laughs> that is also something that, that they do. I know all of us have hidden things. Angela and I lived together. We hid wine and we would close <laughs> all the shades and drink wine by ourselves. And yet I found Rachel's wine that she hid in her room and dumped it out and pulled on her. And so we've all done that (laughs) or we've, you know, somebody is smoking weed in leadership and they are going and buying that and smoking and taking a shower, changing clothes, brushing their teeth. And it never happened. So we, we all sneak around to avoid the speech, the prayer, the deliverance, but yet we're, we're really happy to go get our gold star or our pet pet on the head to bring somebody else in. And that's, that is the, the expectation is, you know, you can't hide your sin, but if you're hiding and sneaking and being manipulative for Jesus, it's fine. So one thing Amanda and I, you and I discussed that I thought was so interesting is we, you listened to a podcast and I'll just plug that podcast in because it's so good. It's, what's it called? It's called Cultish. Yeah, it, it's Cultish Podcast. And it it's Jillian Duggar and her husband. And they were talking about the book that she wrote, Leaving the Cult, that she was raised in. And you sent it to me after you listened to it. And I sat and took notes. I thought it was a great podcast. So I can even leave the link to that podcast in the description of the show, but they brought this point up and I, I was texting you. I was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I couldn't have said it better. And her husband was similar to you, Richie came into this knowing nothing and just being an outsider observing what's going on. And he noticed everyone thinks and behaves the same. And that's so true to what goes on here. Everybody says, oh, this is just my personal conviction, but everybody has the same conviction and everyone is using the same language. And it's not even language that makes sense. Even when I first moved back to Dallas, it, it really did have its own lingo. And I was using that like it was a universal term in the church I attended when I moved and people didn't know what I was referring to. And finally it took me being outside of that bubble to go, oh, that's not a thing. Oh, okay. Okay. We don't, don't (laughs) that that language. Got it. Okay. So can you speak to that? Were were there things, Richie, that you saw or noticed where you were like, why is everybody the same? There were tears that you had to get. It was like a really crappy karate class and 
like the more you did the more you got a different color belt yes. <laughs> like like so much so that there were things that because i ended up i ended up going on a mission trip uh, years later we're married years later it was with this organization under the cover of a local church and actually it was our church mm -hmm. and there were things that i had to do in order to uh in order to go it was it was weird it was the, they were trying to have me be something that i wasn't even close to being because i they were like all right you're gonna have to have your prayer language now uh and be able to basically have a whole conversation in it uh, <laughs> uh yeah because you're not going to heaven if you don't speak in tongues Oh, right. It's, that is the belief. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to understand anything that's going on there. And it, mm -hmm. you're lucky with the lifestyle that you're living to even get past. I, I don't know the, the, the waiting line, I guess, because mm -hmm. that's what the afterlife is just waiting to see if you make it in, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole point of that though, for the leaders was for the head leader was to get him to quit smoking and quit gaming. Well, it was, it that was, was it. oh yeah. Like, uh, what is bad I, about gaming? I'd spent a lot of my time doing that. Uh, it was, it was a very big dynamic in my life at that time. Now it's, it's more of a pastime. It, it has a tendency to disrupt my life. It was made into something much bigger than that. It was, oh yeah. It was demonic. Yeah, it was, it was the, these words on this game. Oh yeah. It, it was the source of what was causing all of my issues when, in fact, I was dealing with unresolved PTSD things that were going on from my military service and then stuff from forever. There was a lot going on, but they were <laughs> they were blowing up my my vices as the issue instead of dealing with the problem. Everything's real underhanded. It, yeah. that was that was the theme basically if you wanted to know how you were getting betrayed look at what they were wanting you to become basically they needed me to step into my my role as a leader by coming under my wife yeah that was weird and and that was that was the way that was the way I was supposed to understand it, is like you're you're called to be the head of your house and don't don't mistake in that but you got to follow your wife because she's uh she's more yoked than you are she's closer to jesus than you are yeah. <laughs> and, oh my. It, and i was like oh okay cool i guess that works and it's just my natural understanding of just my relationship with jesus and my walk and everything was just clashing with i wasn't fitting the mold right and, you had pushback <laughs> and, yeah and, and it was rightly so and and then uh, the natural response to was well they're, they're just kindred spirits and this is my 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 jezebel one here uh -huh. you know okay. and, <laughs> and, right. and so that was just that was the thing they just swept it up to well kindred spirits will beat it out of both of them and whether they meant that literally or not i never understood the history that often repeats itself of this organization is it they almost like it when a new person comes in and they're real messed up or, yeah. or they have a, a big juicy past to talk about. So the lead pastor, she's very, she likes dramatics. So she will cozy up to you and want to hear your story 
And oh my gosh, it's so fascinating. So there's almost like an unspoken grace period where you get to be yourself and they seem to feed off of that. Like, oh, so for me, it was Eliza just can't stop having sex with everybody. And so it was a little bit (laughs) of of a joke of like, who is she going to date or bait next? And then it got to the point where it was like, stop doing that. Now you have to be this person and Mm -hmm. go through, like you were saying for the mission trip, the deliverances or quit your having sex or quit smoking or whatever the thing was deemed by the lead pastor. That's what you had to become. So when you're presented with these things for this mission trip, how did you respond and how did you still go on the mission trip? I don't know. It was like the next rite of passage, I guess. And I wanted, I wanted things to start making sense. And they were saying, you'll, you're going to, you're going to find yourself on this mission field. And this is, this is it. And I was like, okay, I'm looking for answers too, you know, and it's, and, and that was a lot of the things that kind of push it, pushes the, the agenda of this this organization is there's a whole lot of people operating in it that are broken and broken people are already being leveraged by the by the things that broke them so if you can learn to manage the things that are breaking them you control them and the more broken you are the more the more highlighted your strings are and so becomes easy healthy people are going to naturally say well that doesn't really make sense and when you, you have your own voice it's like well i've got three other people here that'll listen to me i don't care yeah that's such a good point that is the end of part one of amanda and richie's story i know we were just getting into the good stuff here but as always we will be back with part two next tuesday at 10 a.m next week you will hear about all of the attempts to separate their marriage all the reasons why the fights that they had and the redemptive part of their story that kept them together, connected, and stronger today than they ever were before. We will see you next week.